Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Living by Faith, Not by Sight, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our episode last week, Living by Faith, Not by Sight, Part 1, was posted on October 15th. In that episode, we noted, No matter how long we live in this life, we eventually die. For those of us who are saved in Christ, this means our body is a temporary housing for the never-dying soul. John S. C. Abbott and Jacob Abbott told us, Our bodies are a tabernacle. They said, A tabernacle is a tent, that is, a movable and temporary dwelling, and hence, is an appropriate image of the frailty and transitoriness of the mortal body. A tabernacle, a tent, are analogies for our frail and transitory mortal bodies. William Burkett told us that the believer's future happiness after the body's present disillusion asserted and declared they have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is how it is used in an analogy to our bodies. No matter how long we live in this life, we eventually die. For those of us who are saved in Christ, this means... To find out more... Listen to our previous episode titled, Living by Faith, Not by Sight, Part 1, hosted on October 15th. This week, our study is titled, Living by Faith, Not by Sight, Part 2. Our scripture passage this week reads, Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. Therefore, we are always full of courage, and we know that as long as we are alive here on earth, we are absent from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. Thus, we are full of courage and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So then, whether we are alive or away, we make it our ambition to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. From Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5-10. through 10. Do you remember how we touched on the Bema Seat Judgment in our episode titled An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 3? In brief, I said, 
What have you accomplished when you have to account for your actions here in this life at the Bema Seat Judgment for us all? When Jesus asks you, What did you do for me? What will your answer be? The Bema Seat Judgment is what is being spoken of when we read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. However, we are getting way ahead of ourselves, so let us go back to verse 5 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 5 reads, Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. The word, quote, Spirit, end quote, is capitalized, which means the Holy Spirit. Notice further what this verse is telling us. He that has wrought and appointed us, he that has prepared and fitted us for this glorious change and has set our souls along for this immortal state is God, who has also given us by his Spirit those holy affections, fervent desires, and faithful endeavors which are the earnest of heaven before we enjoy it. Learn hence, one, that Almighty God does fit and frame his people for that happy state of bliss and glory which he has designed them for, and appointed them unto. He that has wrought us for the self-same thing is God. Learn, too, that to the intent his saints may look and long for that glorious and immortal state with the greater vehemency and desire, he has already given them an earnest and foretaste of it by his Holy Spirit in their hearts. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. In a side note, Mr. Burkett said, He has already given them an earnest and foretaste of it by his Holy Spirit in their hearts. Does this remind you of the verse that says, we see through a glass dimly? This is how that works. We are his saints referred to in this commentary passage. God fits and frames us for that happy state of bliss and glory in heaven. He has designed it for us and appointed us to what he has wrought us for. We, his saints, should be looking and longing for that glorious and immortal state, that which we have already in this life a foretaste for it. As a result, we should exhibit a greater vehemency and desire by His Holy Spirit in our hearts. The phrase, self-same thing, here means this very thing i.e., the thing to which he had referred, the preparation for heaven, or the heavenly dwelling. The word 
rot means that God had formed or made them for this. That is, he had by the influence of the Holy Spirit and by his agency on the heart created them, as it were, for this and adapted them to it. God has destined us to this change from corruption to incorruption. He has adapted us to it. He has formed us for it. From Barnes New Testament Notes We should note this statement of Mr. Barnes. God has destined us to this change from corruption to incorruption. He has adapted us to it. He has formed us for it. We read about this in the closing of our last episode found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 57. Further, we should note, it does not refer to the original creation of the body and the soul for this end, but it means that God, by his own renewing and sanctifying and sustaining agency, had formed them for this and adapted them to it. The object of Paul in stating that it was done by God is to keep this truth prominently before the mind. It was not by any native inclination or strength or power which they had, but it was all to be traced to God. From Barnes New Testament Notes Note this from Mr. Barnes. The object of Paul in stating that it was done by God is to keep this truth prominently before the mind. It was not by any native inclination or strength or power which they had, but it was all to be traced to God. Now, notice evidence for our last comment found in our reference verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It reads, For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we may do them. Looking at this verse, we learn, For we are his workmanship. We are his making. That is, we are created or formed by him, not only in the general sense in which all things are made by him, but in that peculiar sense which is denoted by the new creation. Whatever of peace or hope or purity we have has been produced by his agency on the soul. There cannot be conceived to be a stronger expression to denote the agency of God in the conversation of men, or the fact that salvation is wholly of grace. From Barnes New Testament Notes Now, we need to fully grasp this comment. Whatever of peace or hope or purity we have has been produced by his agency on the soul. 
there cannot be conceived to be a stronger expression to denote the agency of God in the conversion of men, or the fact that salvation is holy of grace. Specifically, this sentence is important. There cannot be conceived to be a stronger expression to denote the agency of God in the conversion of men or the fact that salvation is holy of grace. Holy is spelled W-H-O-L-L-Y. If that is true, then one cannot assume to be saved of Christ since salvation is holy of grace. Saved of Christ, our salvation by Him, requires us to sincerely ask Him for it. If we are truly sincere in our asking for salvation, we then receive it regardless of how dark our sinful past is. Further, verse 6 and 7 are one full sentence. These verses read, Therefore, we are always full of grace, and we know that as long as we are alive here on earth, we are absent from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. There it is. We live by faith, not by sight. Just what does that mean? Therefore, we are always confident. The word here used means to be of good cheer, to have good courage, to be full of hope. The idea is that Paul was not dejected, cast down, disheartened, discouraged. He was cheerful and happy. He was patient in his trials and diligent in his calling. He was full of hope and of the confident expectation of heaven, and this filled him with cheerfulness and joy. Tyndale renders it, We are always of good cheer, and this was not occasional and transitory. It was constant. It was uniform, always. This is an instance of the uniform cheerfulness which will be produced by the assured prospect of heaven. It is an instance, too, when the hope of heaven will enable a man to face danger with courage, to endure toil with patience, and to submit to trials in any form with cheerfulness. From Barnes New Testament Notes this commentary passage by Mr. Barnes tells us a few very important things. First, Paul was not dejected, cast down, disheartened, discouraged. He was patient in his trials and diligent in his calling. He was full of hope and of the confident expectation of heaven, and this filled him with cheerfulness and with joy. Can any of us say, that we exhibit such behaviors when faced with temptations, trials, and even tribulations? Can any of us say that we exhibit such behaviors when facing our own difficulties, however 
we view them compared to Paul? When we run into temptations, trials, and tribulations, we experience dejectedness, we are cast down, we are disheartened, and or we are discouraged. Yes, any combination of all those issues, or sometimes we fall deeply into one or two of them. Paul, despite what we read about his trials and tortures, was patient in them. He was diligent in his calling. Paul was full of hope. His expectation of heaven was confident. All this filled him with cheerfulness and joy. How could Paul be this way with all the sufferings he suffered? He even noted a thorn in his side that caused him continual suffering. Yet, we read about Paul being patient in his trials, diligent in his calling, and full of hope. Why was this? Paul was confident in his expectation of heaven. This filled him with cheerfulness and joy. Even today, we have our own sufferings, yet where is the hope, the confident expectation of heaven, the cheerfulness we are to be filled with, and our joy? It seems that we cannot find in our lives what Paul found in his that allowed him to suffer things we may never have to suffer in our day with his aforementioned characteristics. Notice further, for this is very important for us. This is an instance of the uniform cheerfulness which will be produced by the assured prospect of heaven. It is an instance, too, when the hope of heaven will enable a man to face danger with courage, to endure toil with patience, and to submit to trials in any form with cheerfulness. The first statement in this commentary passage is significantly important for us to note. For clarity, it read, This is an instance of the uniform cheerfulness which will be produced by the assured prospect of heaven. Do you have such an assured prospect of being in heaven? that it produces an instance of uniform cheerfulness? In modern people, this produces a severe conflict when we are found experiencing temptations, trials, and tribulations, which always cause us sadness at the least. Yet, we are told that we can be enabled by the hope of heaven. Remember, we read, it is an instance, too, when the hope of heaven will enable a man to face danger with courage, to endure toil with patience, and to submit to trials in any form with cheerfulness. Can you see where we need to be? We need such a hope of heaven in us that it enables us to face our dangers with courage, so we can toil with patience and submit to our trials in any form with cheerfulness.
This comment should help us understand better. Confident, strong in our hope of life and happiness beyond the grave and in our desire to attain to it. From John S.C. Abbott and Jacob Abbott Illustrated New Testament, 1878. We are confident and willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, and yet we are in such a manner confident and do so pass on our pilgrimage with a valiant and peaceful mind, that yet nonetheless we had rather depart from here to the Lord. From Geneva Bible Translation Notes we are willing, rather, to be absent from the body. We certainly prefer a state of glory to a state of suffering, and the enjoyment of the beatific vision to even the anticipation of it by faith and hope. But, as Christians, we cannot desire to die before our time. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. Adam Clark wrote, We cannot desire to die before our time. Simply put, a person saved in Christ is not going to commit suicide to die before their time. Further, we should note of Paul. Paul did not wish to live on earth regardless of his favor or without evidence that he would be accepted by him. He did not make the fact that he was absent from him and that he did not see him with the bodily eye an excuse for walking in the ways of ambition or seeking his own purposes and ends. The idea is that so far as this point was concerned, it made no difference with him whether he lived or died, whether he was on earth or in heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. It was the great fixed principle of his nature so to live as to secure the approbation of the Lord. And this is the true principle on which the Christian should act and will act. The fact that he is now absent from the Lord will be to him no reason why he should not lead a life of sin and self-indulgence any more than he would if he were in heaven, and the fact that he is soon to be with him is not the main reason why he seeks to live so as to please him. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. Referring to Paul, this commentary passage ends this way. It is a very important statement for us to understand fully. Mr. Barnes said, The fact that he is now absent from the Lord will be to him no reason why he should lead a life of sin and self indulgence any more than he would if he were in heaven, and the fact that he is soon to be with him is not the main reason why he seeks to live so as to please him. 
Notice this segment of that comment. The fact that he is now absent from the Lord will be to him no reason why he should lead a life of sin and self-indulgence. This addresses the fact that we may think we have a much longer time on earth than we think may actually be true. However short or long, in either case, we should find no reason to lead a life of sin and self-indulgence. That life is how we lived before we became saved in Christ, by Christ. Just because we cannot live sin and self-indulgent free, it is the task before us now, regardless of what we believe about being caught up into heaven, that should not depress us into just living in sin and self-indulgence. Our final verse reads, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. In regard to this verse, I will end with this commentary passage from King Comments Commentary on the Whole Bible. It reads, You might ask how you can still be pleasing to him when you are, quote, absent, end quote. If you die, then there is no more work you can do for the Lord. Isn't that right? But there is still something that is called the judgment seat of Christ. I would like to elaborate on this as it is important that this judgment seat leaves an indelible impression on you. Every Christian, including you, must stand before it. This moment is that the coming of the Lord. Please note that the coming of the Lord is something other than the death of the believer. At death, a believer goes up to be with the Lord. The coming of the Lord means the Lord Jesus will come in the air to take the believers to himself. Reference, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. At his coming, the Lord Jesus will first bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. Reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. You will look back on your life together with the judge the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps it will be like a movie in which you will see again all that you did in and with your body on the earth. Nevertheless, there is a difference between the times when you did them and now when you see them again. The difference is that you see your life as the Lord Jesus always saw it. What he especially will bring to light are your motives which led your life. There will be things of which you thought that the Lord would be happy about, but of which the Lord will show you that your own glory was also connected with it. There will also be things to which you did not attach much importance, but of which the Lord might say how particularly he appreciated them. 
before the judgment seat of Christ, everything will be put in the right perspective and measured with the divine standard. Next week, our episode is titled, God's Suffering Servants, Part 1. Our Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, Now because we are fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. We can receive the grace of God vainly? How does that work? What is it about our lives that we need such a caution? Find out more. Join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen or spaces in unchurched our mobile tablet and desktop compliant website has more information links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item we are found on podcast platforms like itunes google podcasts amazon podcasts and spotify to name a few we refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on sundays east coast time usa these sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. 
Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.